Welcome to Dumb Dives. Join me, Pranav, and my close friend Arvind as we dip our toes in the kiddie pools of technology and philosophy and explore the back roads of society. Merry Christmas and a happy new year. It's 2022. I I feel genuinely scared to say that it's 2022. I feel like we just started Dumb Dive and that was already early 2021. So <laughs> Well, it's running on a year now, I think. Yeah, almost. I think it's about nine months. Big thanks, And, uh, big thanks to all like seven of you who listen to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks for making us a top two hundred philosophy podcast in South Korea. Uh, big shout outs to everyone there listening. Life achievements for sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah, this is on my CV already. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I thought you know. What better way to talk about? I mean, what better thing to talk about in a new year than evolution? Yeah. You know? Last episode, we went with science fiction as a way of looking forward of what's to come, uh, yeah, for the next year and years to come ahead of that, if 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 they do come. But uh, I mean, with evolution, we also get a chance to reflect on how we got here. So I think that's a pretty a pretty good place to evolve to. I have no idea what I'm saying anymore, but <laughs> no, no, you're right though. Um, I think it's it's a good way to you know kind of just retrospect to use a a fancy word, but yeah. So I mean, the reason I kind of wanted to talk about evolution is um, on on I think on so the day after Christmas Day, right? Me, my cousin, and um, You know, a couple of others. We went out to London Eye, uh, and we just like walked around for a bit. And the moment I saw a bookstore, me and my cousin literally ran in, like no no second thoughts at all. We just walked into the bookstore and spent half an hour there, just browsing and trying to find something. And uh, I saw this book called Metazoa by um, Peter Godfrey. Is it Peter Godfrey Phillips? I. just what yeah peter godfrey smith there we go that's the name of the guy um so i have one of his books already on um on cephalopod intelligence and he has another book on the evolution of consciousness and so so he's like a scu- he's like a scuba diver a marine biologist and a philosopher like perfect overlap of three things i love like talking about but as um, as yeah. someone who's none of the three you know you are you yeah. are part philosopher so i mean <laughs> <laughs> no, no no i i'd say i'm definitely part philosopher but yeah i mean scuba diver didn't you get your certification yeah yeah, yeah. so i think i think yeah. combined we can almost like we're mostly there <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> just need a marine biologist in our group But yeah, so I I love the book on uh, cephalopod intelligence that he you know kind of wrote. It's called Other Minds, and I thought you know what, let me pick up let me pick up Metazoa because it's you know again an author I enjoy and a topic I love. Like I've been watching so many um, short form and long form videos on evolution and on like prehistoric life and so on, and like just speculative paleontology, which is. you take what we have and then just kind of like s- speculate about the the limits of what those those bones and other impressions can kind of like form uh so it's it's so interesting to just read about how 
consciousness could have evolved so i thought you know why not just talk about that for a while i haven't fi- i haven't started reading the book by the way <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's it's uh yeah, we, it's we, kind of on the back burner part 2 after we finish the book but uh, i think that of course the uh, other book of his you've read and also i think both of us have read uh, sapiens and homo deus uh, by yuval noah yeah. harari very popular mm-hmm. book a lot of people have had exposure to a lot of uh, the progression of humanity particularly in the sapiens yeah. book and some of the authors thoughts of what hap- what could happen next along with our relationship with technology with mm-hmm. which is a sort of topic that we've really been hitting hard at with uh, dumb dive in general so i think that that's uh, another basis that uh, us as well as a lot of listeners would have to follow along with this topic but i think i i guess starting off just somehow connecting to last episode because we spoke a fair bit about sci-fi and the matrix and mm-hmm. i had only watched the matrix several several years before so i didn't really ha- like remember what happened very well so i started watching the the trilogy again b- before getting a chance to watch the fourth one that just came out and there's this part where they talk about like evolution and how 1999 at least according to the movie was the peak mm-hmm. of humanity because uh that was where human like that that was the turning point from when uh there was a growing dependence of humanity on artificial intelligence and robot systems and stuff like that and they handed over a lot of uh duties and intelligence and things that we sustain on to the robot overlords which is what mm. caused the weird dystopian apocalyptic future that the matrix uh, like i can't go into trilogy anymore the the series is set in yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i just i i found that fascinating as well in that uh although typically in the sciences we've used evolution primarily for how over millions of years uh life has uh, morphed given like natural circumstances for fight uh, for like mm-hmm. survival uh we've had uh like from unicellular creatures in the in the water growing up to become more and more complex and some sort of like sea creatures that then started learning how to live on land and not needing water to live in and and so yeah. on like step by step there have been several transformations that uh have happened in like in several living beings and mm-hmm. we've ended up at least as of now with the sort of life forms that we see but this yeah. concept that was put in the matrix as well as in homo deus of the next stage of evolution is how we interact with these robots and technologies also fascinating i think that we can get 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 to that topic in a bit after we've uh, laid the foundations <laughs> for the actual uh evolution but like i just want to bring that up oh yeah um so i think it, it also ties into the idea of the gene like the meme brought about by richard dawkins yeah again like those two kind of go together so we'll get into them a little deeper 
maybe a little further on but for now i just kind of want to like talk about certain landmark events in the story of evolution and like keep in mind i'm not a paleontologist or anything so like i'm definitely getting things wrong yeah but i've i've watched a ton of these pbs eons videos so i think i know what i'm talking <laughs> about <laughs> uh, I, um but yeah i think i think a huge huge uh turning point for like where consciousness proper of some sort um kind of came about was probably sometime during the cambrian era so basically that's when we started getting somewhat complex um organisms like uh we had apex predators we had large um we had large i won't say fish but like we had large um invertebrates that took the place of that like were that era's equivalent of whales um you know we had complex uh, predator prey relations and so on in the sea and and like some of these predators like anomalocarids they kind of started developing compound eyes grasping you know grasping mandibles and you know they were fast segmented swimmers and um you know when that happens you, you there's like a certain level of like calculation and you know certain level of intelligence you need to to carry out uh, predation as well as to escape predation and i think that's kind of like a huge turning point for where you could say beings developed a rudimentary consciousness just because they had to be aware of you know where they were sp- in space time what they had to do to like get to like get food yeah because i think pre cambrian so in like the ediacaran and so on pre cambrian periods life was mostly just sponges and other beings that were complex by then by like those standards but when we look at them now we're like oh wow that's like a rudimentary life that's like the bare minimum and it's really interesting how after the cambrian explosion each era like each um period of you know life on earth just got increasingly more complex so we had like we had jawless fish then we had like the jawed fish come in and like the first sharks and so on and like there's punctuations of mass extinctions in the, in every in, you know it's like it's like um sprinkled in every so often to add a little spice to the story but like these mass extinctions kind of just they've put so much evolutionary pressure on life that each each era once it was bookended or once it was started off by a mass extinction people just like sorry not people but like the 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 creatures of that time just had to like they had to evolve or perish because there was really nothing else for them to do and so we see this insane progression of complexity from again jawless fish jawed fish then amphibians giant insects and then you know the first the first like terrestrial megafauna like dimetrodon and so on like the the therapsids and synapsids and from there the dinosaurs then you have all you have all these amazingly charismatic um you know you, you have these amazingly charismatic fossil animals and it just makes you think you know how did we get here it's it's such an interesting thing to just watch and read about so yeah i just i i had to like talk about that brief story of evolution because you know where do you think consciousness proper really like or or consciousness in the way we say consciousness where do you think that kind of started you know yeah it also um, like i feel like it brings 
a bigger, harder to answer question, which is what is consciousness? Like at which, like what's the borderline between a, a being that we wouldn't call conscious? Mm. Let's say, I don't know, uh, an amoeba. I don't even yeah. know if uh, if you if there is uh, an argument in favor of it being conscious because of its capability to do certain tasks that allow it to live. But uh, just, yeah, so like we think of certain beings as being conscious and what is it that actually sets them, like sets yeah, them apart yeah. in traditional, like typically like when we think of it in science. Because I think in common sense as well, there is there is a level at which a bear is more conscious than an ant. Yeah. And an ant is more conscious than like bacteria or something. Yeah. Like there is a level where, you know, there's this, there's this kind of spectral split that happens where we like, okay, no, this is where this bifurcation happens, but this is still compared to this more conscious. And like, it's, 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 um, it's a really interesting thing to study, which is kind of why I'm doing philosophy because it's, it's probably the best way to answer these questions. Um, But also I'll do you one better then asking what is consciousness why is consciousness you're gonna say why is oh my god yeah why is consciousness <laughs> you that was because <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh but i mean the reason i'm asking that question is why was it necessary or why why did evolutionary why did like evolutionary forces find it necessary to give us or give certain creatures or whatever why did why did evolutionary forces see it fit to like give us this kind of intelligence again i'm personifying them because it kind of makes it easier to talk about but why did consciousness evolve yeah and it's 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 just um i mean this is a question that that's been asked for like millennia again like all the other questions in philosophy that are interesting (laughs) um but yeah i mean why so I think the I think the best way to probably go about it now is to talk about the evolution of <laughs> science and tech because because uh, I don't know like there's something actually scary about about like humans having created this entire oh, I hate I hate having to use this term but this entire metaverse that stands in itself you know entirely because of our intelligence and our cultural and digital evolution to to like such a level where we can actually create an entire digital universe that can stand alone yeah given power given all the infrastructure it needs yeah it's it's kind of scary you know yeah thinking about just how intelligent and how powerful we've become over maybe the past 200 years and people say that all it took was opposable thumbs and a bigger brain like and they're not wrong <laughs> but they're also not entirely correct <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah i think so I, I don't even know where to begin with this one now i think i think i actually can begin because um this again can go back to i think it goes back to where the homo sapiens and neanderthals were competing in the same region mm-hmm. So again, Neanderthals, despite what most pop- most popular conceptions of them are, they were incredibly intelligent and incredibly powerful as well, you know? And um, I think he- Homo sapiens just kind of got in at the right time and right moment 
when you know the ice ages were ending and the you know the huge woolly rhinos and mammoths and so on were dying off now the difference between neanderthals and homo sapiens was that neanderthals were a lot more muscular a lot bigger in terms of just they could take they could take hits from like bison and so on they could take like 2 3 hits and still live to tell the tale after that without like severe injuries whereas i think any of us if we got hit by a bison we would die yeah like like one ton of like bovine muscle just ramming into you yeah no i i i think most of us would die immediately yeah but like so neanderthals were huge but the 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 downside of that was since they were able to take those hits they never focused on projectile weapons they cuz because they could take a hit they just actually used spears to stab instead of to throw mm-hmm. whereas homo sapiens since we could not um you know take those hits we had to like throw projectiles we had to drop rocks set up traps and we actually had to focus on tool use tool usage more than neanderthals had to couple that with the fact that bigger bodies and more muscle means you need a lot more food mm. you know neanderthals starved a lot quicker than we did and so we basically just won a war of attrition mm. but that war of attrition let it it kind of led i think uh, homo sapiens as like a culture back then to realize tool use and intelligence and community these three things are like the strongest weapons that we have yeah So let's just go all in on them. And from there it just ramped up. We started discovering how to work metal. We then, you know, we started building incredibly complex towns and cities with drainage systems. We developed culture and over time through histor- through history, archaeology, through, you know, living uh through like descendants who like passed down all these legends and so on. We've kind of developed this picture of how humanity as a culture has evolved and you know i think that's that's honestly the best analog we can give to the digital evolution thing because even now we're realizing community and tool use that that's still our biggest strength it's just that the way these paradigms have shifted is from a real you know kind of tool use thing to a digital use it's it's There we go. <laughs> yeah, evolution. <laughs> also right before we we switch over to the digital side of evolution. Mm-hmm. You brought up how uh, there are beings that are intelligent and that made me think yeah. of what the difference is between intelligence and consciousness. Uh um I think I think so I think the the best way to do it is to actually look at animals. Um so I think that I think without doubt most people look at dogs as conscious or maybe okay I think I think actually a better distinction is to say sentient and sapient okay so sentient is basically there is some level of self-awareness and in the sense of like a biological self-awareness they are aware that they are an independent organism and so on so cats um dolphins crows a lot of animals are sentient like there's absolutely no questioning that um sapient however comes with you know the mirror test essentially where you look at yourself in the mirror and you're able to recognize that it's you and not like an opposing thing mm-hmm. 
which is where i think cats pass it dogs pass it um the apes sometimes pass it which is funny dolphins always pass um octopi pass it and like there are there are certain creatures that pass this mirror test which is i don't think it's like a formal test or anything but it's a, it's an interesting way to see whether they recognize themselves in the mirror and thus are able to recognize themselves in a human way yeah the way we do yeah so that's like the big difference um there are creatures which are sentient that is they're able to recognize themselves as independent uh creatures they form they form like social relationships they're able to think and like you can see there's definitely some level of intelligence like horses are definitely intelligent animals but i won't say they are entirely sapient in that they're entirely conscious the way you know maybe a octopus is mm. or the way a crow is yeah that's that's one way of looking at it um how how would you look at the difference between intelligence and consciousness i i always thought of it i mean especially coming from a computer science background as intelligence as the ability to like given certain input do certain output you know what i mean like you see something you respond to, uh, to it in a certain way like something that's supposed to be harmful to you you run away from or you fight back like to me mm. those are the sort of th- the characteristics that define intelligence it could be the ability like you see a dangerous foe and you decide to make a tool to fight the foe like that is an intelligent uh, behavior for that situation now a conscious uh, sort of tendencies in my mind are more of uh, the understanding of that you exist as a being in in a sort of society or a world of other beings that bear sim- uh, certain similarities to you and yet can also be different in uh, in various ways so mm. uh there this one obviously would like manifest in a spectrum of ways there might be beings or people or animals or whatever that can recognize that they are an individual part of a society of of like other uh let's say humans right mm-hmm. uh, but maybe they don't entirely recognize the differences or they do recognize the differences but they don't recognize certain other similarities like i think that there's like a lot of different ways that this can uh like show up in different beings but i think that the understanding of uh like you as an actor instead of just certain uh like responses to certain situations is the difference of consciousness from intelligence hmm okay i think what you said kind of is an addendum right like to to what i said earlier yeah. like there is task intelligence and then there's intelligence proper just like there's like a rudimentary self awareness slash sentience versus sapience mm-hmm. and like these two kind of go together the reason i wanted to bring up evolution is um this quote in another book i was reading by uh daniel dennett who's you know a really well known philosopher and neuroscientist and uh, his quote was So there's this there's this idea of the Cartesian self that we spoke about like a, a while back on one of our episodes 
but the cartesian self basically it 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 posits this duality between mind and body and um descartes you know famously said that only humans have these this this mind body duality dogs don't most animals don't it's only humans uh and so dennett kind of stresses that saying okay with this conception of the cartesian self that even in modern neuroscience a lot of people have just kind of taken as granted the onus is on you to show that any of these animals that we think of as sentient on a spectrum like bears you know there is there's some there's, there's some way in which a bear is more sentient than a flea mm. and there are some there are some there's like in some sense a way in which a dolphin is more sentient than a bear mm. so it's the onus is not on anyone other than these cartesian um the, these believers in the cartesian self to show that you know it's not a spectrum there is a bifurcation between sentience and or, or between a self and no self mm. you know until then we have to assume that the, it, it is a spectrum of self yeah. i think i might be misremembering this a little bit but this is like a, a pretty good gist of what he said in that book and uh, when i was reading it i was like okay wow you know maybe maybe there isn't such a strict bifurcation because um you see you see all these i mean i i keep going back to animal videos because i think that there's such that there's such gleaning insights into like into how animals interact with us how we interact with them you know how there's honestly a spectrum in which you know there's some midpoint at which we meet and they're able to understand what we say and do and we're able to understand what they say and do through body language through something or the other through their vocalizations and um it 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 complicates the story of consciousness a lot more than you'd expect mm. yeah um so so yeah i just kind of wanted to bring that up cuz there's so many interesting tidbits i'm also fascinated by uh the behavior of say ants and bees and the sort of insects that mm-hmm. that live in massive colonies and how they tend to specialize as uh like into groups of certain say let, let's look at ants that a, a certain group of ants would have the role to go forage and get food back for the right. colony right like that is a very uh of course it's commonly used but it's a very human like behavior of like mm-hmm. like having those large settlements and having occupations and right. you see uh uh ants or bees or whatever of a certain kind of physicality uh gravitating towards a certain kind of role in in society and them understanding that the role that they need to play and how that le- leads into the overall sustenance uh, of the community mm-hmm. and i think that that's really fascinating and i feel like it's very commonly discounted for how much uh how intelligent that being needs to be in order to to work like that oh yeah yeah so um so the concept you're talking about is you you sociality mm-hmm. right so so there are eusocial organisms i think there's only one eusocial mammal which is the naked mole rat okay and uh, it it operates in almost the exact same way as ants and bees and any other insect that lives in these kind of 
um, colonies that have a singular queen, then they have drones, which are the males, and then they have worker ants or worker bees and so on and so forth. They have this this biological kind of distinction between various roles. Um, and it's the same thing with the naked, naked mole rat, though I haven't, I haven't done as much research into that as maybe I have into bees and so on. But um, yeah, eusociality is such an interesting concept because you're right, it's very, very human yeah. in that, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to say there's biological kind of imperative for us to uh, fulfill certain roles in society or whatever. Um, but, you know, many, many people gravitate towards certain roles either through necessity or through their own inclination. And they kind of fulfill um, different niches. And I think eusociality is, it's very similar in that while it's a biological and not a cultural kind of um, motivator to fulfill certain roles, in the end, you you have those in power and those who kind of like do what is needed to keep those in power. Yeah. Um, and the, <laughs> this slowly moved away from consciousness into ethics and politics. Yeah, I feel like but... we're, we're like we're very, very, very close to it just being a discussion on casteism. So, <laughs> I think honestly, that's where that's where a lot of these guys who who develop the caste system got their ideas from, from seeing that you know ants had these certain jatis, right? Castes. They had these certain like. They had the worker class, they had the drones, they had the larvae, they had the nurses within the worker class. Again, there's those who forage and those who nurse. There's like all these, there's all these broken up um, bits. There's like the segregation that happens within, you know, a eusocial colony through like a biological thing. And I think at some level that, that definitely would have come into a lot of these guys like Manu and all, would have come into their head saying, oh yeah, if that happens in ants and so on, it should kind of also follow into human society because, you know, it's a biological imperative. So biologically, there are certain people who, you know, who are suited for this kind of work and who aren't. Yeah. Yeah. Which I guess if you're more familiar, like Brave New World and the those type of fiction oh, yeah. also go into it. it mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of books, it also reminds me of another one that I recently read, which is The Giver, uh, Lois Lowry, where it's like it's this science fiction-y kind of novel where it's this point in human civilization where uh, everyone's working in this type of communities where mm-hmm. everyone is put into like this super regimented type of like daily schedules and uh you uh it's it's kind of 1984 in the way that people have like a restricted thought they don't question certain mm. things the the government or like the people the people running the show are always watching your activities and as a kid as you grow up you are given like a certain education every birthday you basically uh are let's Something like, I, I don't remember the exact ages, but like on your ninth birthday, you get a bicycle. On your 10th birthday, you get a, like a jacket or something that uh, you, you can wear and you don't oh. need your parents to help you. Like, And then I think it was your 13th birthday, uh, you are basically assigned a role in society. Like okay. whether 
you work a certain uh, job like construction uh, the library a school teacher someone who is uh, taking care of newborns or the elderly uh, or i mean n- not to give away in the book mm-hmm. but then the the main character is given a special role but anyway it's just like i found that society fascinating and it kind of reminded me like it made made me think of how like these insect you social societies work yeah. where it's like everything is sort of like decided for you you just mm. accept the role that is that is given and you live it and at that point like if there was a human society like that i find it difficult to even call them conscious ra- or yeah like it's just they're just living and they like there's not much or actually no questioning at all happening this mm-hmm. is like a point at which the humans have uh, been sort of pushed into a place where they uh, don't see differences in things to the point where they've lost the ability to see color uh, they <sighs> there's a lot of other biological changes that have happened in the human body and it's just like everything is very monotone and restricted mm-hmm. and uh yeah so I, i i don't know i was just like i was just thinking of how a like would you still like what's the level of consciousness in a society like that and if there isn't then it makes sense that you would also say an insect colony doesn't really have much consciousness I think consciousness in society if you want to talk about that probably comes from you know the idea of um, revolution and you know just questioning power so I think that's like that's like the the big difference between new sociality and democracy right where um you know in a democracy we have elected leaders who kind of you know they they help us form the legislature they help you know regulate our actions and kind of keep society in check but there are ways for us to overthrow them um it, it's kind of i won't say it's the same thing but it's very similar in pack hunting animals like lions and wolves where it's not technically democratic because it is it is a fight between the two candidates candidacies for um you know the leader position I don't want to use the terms alpha and so on cuz you know that's been a that's been a bit debunked as well yeah, like yeah, that yeah. is not really an alpha or anything it's been debunked um, and it's also been memed so hard to the point where it's yeah, no yeah, longer yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah but like yeah let's 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 say um it's 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 a fight between two sigma males right <laughs> that's <laughs> not let's just call it the leaders of the pack <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, i just yeah but um <laughs> it's it's basically two leaders of like the pride of the pack they kind of fight and the one who wins out is the one who basically oversees the safety and protection of the pack the moment he's no longer able to and is defeated he is exiled and while it's not as stark or as um, harsh in democracy i'd say if if there's a leader who has misused power or is unable to like keep himself in check while he has that power and you know the public finds out more often than not they are overthrown and they're in effect exiled from holding an office again like then they're not going to get votes again i mean obviously there's tons of exceptions there's tons of like gray areas but for the most part that's how it works yeah right? it's like trump getting banned from twitter 
I I actually don't know if he ever got back but I haven't seen him you know what so. Yeah no I don't I don't think so I think he got permanently banned um but yeah I mean that's that's I think the big difference um between conscious society which is democracy and so on uh I I'd, I'd say even socialism and monarchy and so on you do have consciousness within those societies because mm-hmm. it's not like blind it's not blind obedience Yeah it's either obedience through obligation obedience through loyalty like you actually do believe in the monarch or the government and so on or, and if if it's neither um, obedience through loyalty or obligation you find a, you that i mean and there's it like injustice happening and so on there'll come a time when you're like okay you know what enough is enough and you know revolution happens yeah and i i think that's where like the 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 big demarcation is between a thinking society and a non thinking or like a conscious and unconscious society which is you know the idea of revolution the idea of like questioning and going okay no why do we follow this let's not it's bad Th- those kind of thoughts come in and like collectively we mobilize and you know carry out, carry out actions to depose the bad you know I feel like uh, the fact, like the idea of questioning as being a core, like entity or like like characteristic of a thinking being, is quite fascinating mm. because it's that intention to want to like that curiosity to want to know more, and also the ability to sort of connect a few dots and try to figure mm. out what's missing in in the information that you have. Uh, and try to figure out a way to get that because yeah. it's like it's not just accepting all the information that you have as it is uh either it's missing something or it doesn't fit in well to uh, well together mm-hmm. there's something wrong when you try to connect the do- connect them together so yeah i think that that was something i hadn't thought of uh, so far in this discussion yeah i mean it's it's why certain animals seem more uh, sentient or more conscious to us right like cats dogs bears they all they're all incredibly curious like even within like if you've seen like a house cat even within its own house it's constantly sniffing it's constantly like sniffing around and like nosing into areas and trying to like open doors that it can't get through yeah just as you know even if it's explored all those areas multiple times it, it just keeps trying to find something new cuz they're inherently curious same thing with dogs you know you take a dog on a walk and like it sees something new it's going to go and sniff it and just try and figure out okay what is this thing yeah i mean yeah it's it's the idea of like questioning in some sort mm-hmm. that gives animals intelligence the way we see it but again how much of that is because as humans we tend to question everything and therefore we just assume that question yeah exactly like co- since yeah, we yeah. are the ones defining this like i feel like <laughs> it's extremely skewed to the way that we think uh because like, perhaps there are beings that just don't have to question things like there's no real need to question something cuz you're yeah. just wasting like food and energy trying to question things that don't really matter to your su- survival or the survival of the community which they might deem as being more important so just yeah. 
I think the only reason we place such a value on questioning is that it determines a very big role in our society now because we have culturally evolved Exa- exactly. to this point. Like for <laughs> an ant to start a podcast about the life of mosquitoes, <laughs> like it must be oh, the yeah. absolute most wasteful thing it can do with its life. No lie though, I really want to hear that podcast. I I I mean, that just sounds so interesting. <laughs> I, I mean, same yeah, but can also imagine, Can you imagine two worker ants sitting they're like, "Yeah, so we were out, you know, foraging some leaves for the queen." And guess what we saw, right? <laughs> I, I feel like it, was it Pixar who made the ants movie like if like or Dreamworks? Oh, no, I think Maybe who, DreamWorks who, made ants. Whoever and, made uh, the ants movie should possibly look at this as a as a comeback for 2022, yeah, yeah, yeah. like podcast series, oh, like low budget, no, no, no. lot of lot of you fun there possibilities. Should be, there should be there should be a podcast with like Barry B from the B movie. Oh my god! <laughs> with like the the main guy from Ants, that is just like a bee and an ant talking about shit. Oh my god. <laughs> absolute hell actually it's kind of weird how many movies there are like about about insects yeah there was also a bug's I mean, life yeah, yeah yeah i mean it's also i think to some extent because i think i've said this before but insects are honestly the closest things we can find to aliens like on this planet True. because they are so different from all other forms of life yeah, it's like insects and jellyfish just like occupy like a completely different different yeah yeah. <laughs> like if if aliens came to earth and they saw insects and jellyfish and everything else on the planet they're like okay no these two things are very clearly not earth. Or like, they are very they're... earth and everything else is not. <laughs> you think yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I think insects are so fascinating. Yeah. Like genuinely and and this entire thing about consciousness is div- I don't know it's kind of just evolved into a random uh, I guess it's it's what most of our podcasts kind of go yeah to. I feel like it's definitely a bit more free form but it's okay I, yeah new format no, but, 2022 um, speak- <laughs> <laughs> oh no no but speaking of free form and this thing uh, I did say I wanted to talk about the idea of the meme um, oh yeah yeah as part of digital evolution so I think, again, we have spoken about this before um, in some episode where I brought up Richard Dawkins' um, conception of the meme. Um, and so it's basically a small, fo- small bit of information that gets transmitted and reproduced very easily. Mm-hmm. So in a sociological context, it's, you know, messages, flyers, um, songs, videos, images, literally anything that can be very easily shared, very easily reproduced and, you know, um, distributed amongst like a population. But I think even in genetics, this idea um, can, it it kind of plays a pretty big role, especially because there are genotypic um, influences and phenotypic influences and phenotypic influences, as far as I think genetics or whatever goes, is when the environment puts selective pressure on organisms and they kind of adapt. And and so like their, their, their um, genetic structure itself like kind of adapts to that environment without there being, you know, centuries and millennia of evolution. Instead, it's like maybe a few decades. Mm. 
it's on a much shorter scale and that's why you have like differentiated uh, populations of the same species like certain certain areas where gray wolves live the wolves will be bigger there than they are in other areas yeah. or um i think in in certain like coastline mountainous regions the wolves have gotten really good at swimming yeah v- versus other areas where you know they're capable but not as good and they don't primarily fish or anything yeah um so so le- there's like these these environmental pressures and so it creates small modifications and small changes that just they get easily passed on in that population and over time it creates a it may even create an entirely different species hmm. the reason i wanted to bring this idea of the meme and so on up is i think we're at this really interesting point where the meme goes from being cultural but still very much rooted in the real world to digital and like almost entirely digital yeah. and that's how evolution is going to like start moving forward because even now we have highly but we have these highly um stratified layers of interaction on social media and over the internet and i think as you know the metaverse dreaded as that word is as it kind of comes into being because i'm assuming now there's no stopping it as it comes into being we're going to find an increased stratification and an increased like crossover of real interaction into virtual interaction and i don't know that just makes me really interested but also scared to see where you know evolution takes us whether it becomes a digital evolution or whether it's like very much still rooted in real um forces yeah. but gets mirrored in the virtual and so on and so forth you know who what influences what basically yeah i i think you know with the the whole metaverse that you just brought up like i i think mm-hmm. that it's not going to be as clearly demarcated a transition as most might yeah. uh, think of because the fact that we've done what 18th episode of this podcast without ever actually doing it in person kind of is yeah. the point of like the metaverse. the metaverse it's the fact that yeah. we are able to have these pretty natural uh conversations uh we share our videos and we can talk uh you can like we record it and share it to the public and you can listen to us and that is i mean the stepping stone to just more natural seeming communications like maybe you might get a vr headset too and then we could do this on a vr like a vr platform not because like the audio quality is better or something but just because we can read each other's body language is a bit more and feels a bit more immersive yeah i think that a lot of those things would change and as for the evolution side of things i think that it it's it's not at all improbable for people to i don't know end up with like smoother thumbs or something like that that just allows you to use smartphones better in like a generation mm. just because it becomes i don't know if the touch screen is going to last that long but like let's say the touch screen is is a uh, an interface through which we we interact with devices for say the next 100 years it's very very feasible that that's a thing and i feel like it might yeah. already be just because of the fact that we aren't as actively working with 
harsh environments as uh, we used to a hundred years ago. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it's a lot of random things like the fact that so many of us are starting to grow a little bit, like have a bit of a stoop, uh, a hunched back, just mm. from hours and hours working on phones and devices. Not truly genetic, but the fact that it just like becomes hard set into our being and sort of normalized is mm. the sort of transitions that can very quickly like become a thing where we don't notice it at all. Like it would it would be more unusual to see someone with a perfectly straight back, just like how on earth do you keep it that fit? <laughs> <laughs> I wish that were me. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm just, uh, I, I wonder, like, more so than those type of uh, physical changes, uh, mm -hmm. I f I'm very curious about uh, the the sort of, like, homo deus type uh, vi vision of the future to come of how humans might look towards integrating themselves deeper and deeper with technology, whether it's, you know, implants uh, for not just monitoring your various health conditions, like instead of a smartwatch, you have it embedded into your wrist or whatever, but also doing certain things actively. Like, let's say you have a, mm. like it can detect that your blood sugar goes high and then it, like instantly, uh, add some insulin into your bloodstream or something like that uh, i think that's what that's what so many um <clears throat> i think i think the 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 term of the field is transhumanist right yep but so many transhumanist act, um advocates that's what they're trying to say like yeah at some point humanity transcends just you know the homo sapien biological distinction mm -hmm. humanity is also this fact that we have the ability to soon integrate technology into our bodies we can modify and like change what it means to be human, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, it's already, it, sorry, not it's already, but it's what like companies like Theranos and um, a lot of others, I think Tesla's Neuralink division. Yeah. And do, like a lot of these companies are already working on tech, tech like this. Yeah. But Theranos was. To be, to be fair, like we're already... Like the, the comparison I made with the metaverse and us being on Zoom mm -hmm. calls, we're already there even on like this yeah. uh, cyborg human type of thing with the amount of progress that's happened in prosthetic limbs, in right. surgery, like just like eye surgery, for example. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. it's so much less of a problem to have uh, various uh, eye problems than it was in yeah. the past. And that itself is massive. Uh, there's those, uh, mm -hmm. I forgot, I'm blanking on the name, but the, the thing that, like the heart, uh, the electric heart device that you put in. Yeah, yeah the pacemaker, right? It's, I was just going to say, like, yeah, it's, you know, if you have a pacemaker, aren't you technically already a cyborg? Exactly. Like, it's <laughs> stuff like that. Like, step by step, mm -hmm. we're already getting there. And it's just like, for right now, it's only for people who absolutely need it. But it's yeah. It, I see, in like twenty, thirty years, maybe you know, we may have modifications. Yeah, it's for like anyone. Very reasonable, I feel like. Uh, someone like let's say a hundred years from now, someone who works in uh, 
I don't know, having to lift a bunch of heavy objects just decides to swap out their uh, their normal backbone with like a titanium rod type mechanism thing. Just, yeah, or like get, you know, strengthening implants that just kind of what, keep yeah, the structure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So either like replacement or, you know, um, what's the what's the term? Reinforcement. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, yeah I think... I think that's honestly like a pretty solid place to stop off because uh, we've brought a lot of really good questions <laughs> and now I'm a little scared. Many questions, few answers, but way more worries to come. Let's go. Yeah. It's going to be a great 2022. Perfect dumb dive episode, isn't it? Oh my God. I feel like yeah. we need to change uh, our name to something like way more ominous than dumb dive. Nah, I think it's, I think it's fine. <laughs> But anyway, I think uh, that's kind of it for this episode. It's a bit scattershot and a bit all over the place, but I think that's that's the that's the appeal now. Yeah, that's the appeal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're definitely Leaning catering to towards like the the ADHD humor without the humor or the ADHD. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so this has been our episode on. Consciousness. Evolution. And intelligence. And more. And evolution. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. So I've been I've been Pranav. I'm Arvind. Thanks for listening to Dumb Dive. Follow us on Instagram at Dumb, Dumb Dive Podcast and Twitter at Dumb Dive. You can find us on any platform. Uh, send us your questions, feedback, topics that you want us to discuss or just like mistakes we made, especially in this podcast. We went through a lot of pretty factual things at least we tried to in the beginning and surely made a bunch of mistakes so please reach out yeah uh thanks for listening <laughs>